Now, I know your bulletin says Joshua, and I am not Joshua. Unfortunately, he is sick this morning, so prayers to him and his family. Um, but I do have the wonderful privilege of introducing our guest speaker this morning, Dr. Glenn Jonas. So, Dr. Jonas is the, associ or, yeah, the Associate Dean of the College of Arts and Sciences at Campbell University. Um, he's been on staff there for 25 years, and I had the wonderful privilege of being his student for a few classes, and he was also my academic advisor. Superb professor. I if you go to Campbell, this is my Campbell plug right here. If you go to Campbell, take every Dr. Jonas class you can. Wonderful. Let me just tell you. Getting my brownie points in this morning. Um, <laughs> let's see. He is a published author. He stays very busy preaching in churches around North Carolina. He also did um, time as an interim pastor over at Emanuel Baptist Church and Memorial here in Greenville. Excuse me. Uh, two years ago, Dr. Jonas also led an adult vacation Bible school here at Oakmont on the Protestant Reformation. Again, great class. Y'all should have been there two years ago. Yeah, um, it was on the 500th anniversary year of the Protestant Reformation. Riveting place to be. Um, Dr. Jonas has preached at Oakmont before, and he has stepped in at times where uh, Pastor Greg has not been here. Also, another cool thing about Dr. Jonas, he plays the guitar. Did you know that? And um, he will play in his church's praise band when he's back home in Bowie's Creek and helping them out with their worship services. Also, last thing, he's a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. The mere mention of Bruce Springsteen on a test will give you an automatic A. <laughs> True story. True story. So if you would, would you please help me in welcoming Dr. Jonas. Very kind. I appreciate that. Well, thank you uh, so much, Ben, for that uh, that kind introduction. And and uh, I've got nothing but good to say about Ben. I'm I'm very proud of him. I've known him since he was a since he was a freshman when I was uh, still chair of the department. In fact, one one of the things I remember he he became a freshman uh, major in our department uh, the same year that my daughter started in our department. And um, uh, my daughter. Uh, ended up double majoring with uh, religion and biology, and, and uh, she's heading off to graduate school um, uh, probably next year, and, and Ben's doing so well in our divinity school, and, and uh, so, so thank you, Ben, for those very fine words, and um, uh, yes, I am a Springsteen fan. Uh, in fact, I, I have a feeling that at least um, um, one or two of my sermons that I've done here through the years, I've, I've uh, had a reference from Springsteen. I'm, I'm not sure about that but I do use his stuff in my sermons from time to time and if you haven't seen the movie um, uh, Blinded by the Light uh, I, I love coming to Greenville it's it's just uh, uh, a wonderful experience to be with you folks and so thank you for the opportunity to be here today I want to uh, share a few passages of scripture with you. Greg told me that he was doing some sermons from Proverbs, and, and I wanted to pull uh, something out of Proverbs today that, um, that he was not doing, and so I sent him this text and said, will this be all right? And he said, yeah, I think that'll be just fine. And so, um, so I'd like to read some verses from Proverbs chapter 8, and then I'm going to go back to Genesis chapter 1 and read one verse from, from Genesis chapter well, two verses from Genesis chapter 1. But let's start with Proverbs chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. <clears throat> does not wisdom call and does not understanding raise her voice? 
On the heights beside the way at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries out, To you, O people, I call, and my cry is to all that live. And then skip on down to verse 22. The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of long ago. Ages ago I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. When he had not yet made earth and fields or the world's first bits of soil, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master worker, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the human race. And then if you'll turn back to Genesis chapter 1, I'd like to read uh, verses 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. The image of God, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Would you join me please in a moment of prayer? Oh God, now in the quietness of these moments, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts might be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Last year, 2018, marked the 200th anniversary of Mary Shelley's classic novel, Frankenstein. You know the premise of the story, more likely from the various movies that have been made about the story through the years. Professor Frankenstein creates this horrible monster as a result of a strange experiment. And there's one passage in the book just after the monster's creation that goes like this. This is uh, the, the uh, main character speaking, Dr. Frankenstein. I started from my sleep with horror. A cold dew covered my forehead. My teeth chattered. Every limb became convulsed. When by the dim and yellow light of the moon as it forced its way through the window shutters, I beheld the wretch, the miserable monster I had created. He held up the curtain of my bed and his eyes, if eyes they may be called, were fixed on me. His jaws opened and he muttered some inarticulate sounds while a grin wrinkled his cheeks. He might have spoken, but I did not hear. 
One hand was stretched out seemingly to detain me, but I escaped and rushed downstairs. I took refuge in the courtyard belonging to the house which I inhabited, where I remained during the rest of the night, walking up and down in the greatest agitation, listening attentively, catching and, and fearing each sound, as if it were to announce the approach of the demonical corpse which I had so miserably given life. From this quote, I think it's clear that the creator of this monster, Dr. Frankenstein, was terrified of his creation. But that is not so when God created the world. In the Hebrew language, the word that is used for create is a word that basically is used only in reference to God. Humans can make things, but only God can create a world. And that's perhaps what the psalmist had in mind in Psalm 139.14 when the psalmist says, I praise you, for I am wonderfully and fearfully made. In the passage I read from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we read, And God said, Let us make humankind in our image, after our likeness. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are created in the image of God. And our mothers carried us in their wombs until we were ready to be born. There is a mysterious beauty to these concepts as they are tied together. In the passage that I read from Proverbs, the writer celebrates God's creative power. Wisdom and understanding are personified as a woman in this poem. Verses 22 through 31 tell of her relationship to creation. God created her first as his uh, uh, created her as the first of his acts and she was present at the creation of the world as a witness according to Proverbs. This Old Testament concept of wisdom when transferred into the Greek culture later became the word logos, the divine word. God spoke the world into existence through the divine logos. In John chapter 1 verses 1 and 14 we read, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He became flesh and lived among us. But it's the last verse of this passage that I want us to concentrate on this morning in particular. And I was, for the, the passage in Proverbs, and I was daily in his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the human race. Delighting in the human race. That was God's perspective after God created humans. The exact opposite from Dr. Frankenstein's creation of the monster. God delighted in the creation of the human race. What is there about us that makes us different from the rest of creation? The Bible speaks in Genesis 1.26 about being created in the image of God. What exactly does that mean? 
Well, I think it's best to start with what it doesn't mean. It doesn't refer to physical appearance. Being created in the image of God refers more to relationship than it does to appearance. This morning, I'd like for us in just a few moments to explore what it means to be created in the image of God. First, being created in God's image means that humans are different than any other part of creation. When God created the man and the woman, they were qualitatively different from the rest of creation. They had the ability to know that certain choices would be wrong and that wrong choices had consequences. You all know the story of what happens in Genesis chapters 2 and 3, the the eating of the forbidden fruit. They made a wrong choice and they suffered the consequences from it. Even though they were created in the image of God, being created in God's image meant that they had the innate ability to understand right from wrong and to understand that there were consequences from making wrong choices. When our two daughters, Hannah and Gracie, were very young, we got a kitten from the animal shelter, and we named that kitten Callie. Now, Callie is still with us today. Callie is about 16 years old. In fact, she's worn out. She, she lies around the garage all the time, and especially during the summer, it's just been really hot on her. She's a lot skinnier now than she used to be, but she's still going strong. About a month ago, I came into the garage, and, and she was lying there on the garage, uh, on the garage floor, and, and she was panting like a dog, just going, like, and, and you, don't, you don't normally see cats panting like that. And so I just sort of looked around, and I looked over, and, and just a little ways from her, there was nothing but the hind legs and the tail of a squirrel. Now, our 16-year-old cat had engaged in battle with a squirrel and had won and then had ingested every bit of that squirrel except the hind legs and the tail. No wonder she was panting. So Callie's still got a lot of life left in her. But Callie came to be our cat, and we've loved Callie through the years along with our three dogs, our uh, One of our three dogs likes her, but the other two don't particularly care for Callie. But when we got Callie, we told the animal shelter that we would spay her eventually, but that we wanted her to have a litter of kittens uh, first so that our little girls could have the joy of having kittens around the house to play with. And and we assured the animal shelter that we could find good homes for these kittens and, and that we would be responsible cat owners. And so one early spring morning... A number of months later, I was taking the girls to school. And as we went out the front door and down the steps, we happened to see Callie right there in front of the front steps with a male cat. And they were engaged in what male and female cats might do in the spring. And so Hannah, our oldest daughter, who was about five or six years old at the time, she was horrified. She, she exclaimed, Daddy, Daddy, that cat's hurting Callie. And I replied, no, honey, Callie is getting married. And I had to say something. And, 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 and in a few months, I said, in a few months, very likely Callie's going to have some kittens. Won't that be wonderful? 
And she was so excited. That made her day. She went, she went through the whole day. She came home, told her mother that Callie was going to have kittens. She was so happy. Well, then the very next morning, we were going out the front door. Same routine as we always did. Except this time, there was Callie with a different male cat. <laughs> this time, Hannah exclaimed, Daddy, Callie is marrying someone else today. <laughs> now, I tell that humorous story, and I've, I've told it a lot, to illustrate the difference between humans and animals. Callie and those male cats were just doing what instinct told them to do. The same applies when she kills a bird or a mouse or a squirrel. That's, that's just what her instinct tells her to do. She doesn't think about it being right or wrong. She doesn't think about the consequences. She has no ability to understand that. But humans are different. God created us to be able to think and to reason about moral things. God created us to be able to look at the world and to reason about the decisions that we make and the impact that our decisions will have on the world. And when we choose to neglect that, when we live like the animals, we are living less than our potential. We become less than God intended for us to be. Being created in the image of God means that we have the capacity to understand right from wrong. But second, being created in the image of God means that we have capacity to be in relationship and in communion with God. Using the imagery of the ancient Semitic world and an emperor who has administrators rule part of his kingdom for him, the implication and even necessity would be that those administrators would be in communication with the emperor. Communication would be a necessity so that instructions and guidance could be given. Humans are to be distinguished from all the other animals in that we have the, cap the capacity to be in a personal relationship with God. We are different in that sense. We are created with the potential to be in a personal communication with our Creator. In the two creation stories in Genesis 1 and 2, Adam and Eve were in direct communication with God, even after their sin of disobedience separated them. And that communication was hindered. It was not completely abolished. An important part of what it means to be human is to live in relationship with God. If we're not communicating with God, we are less than God intended for us to be. Some of the great leaders in Christian history have had to discover this important aspect about fullness in life. I could point to the experience of the great theologian Augustine, for example, who discovered that a relationship with God was the only thing that could fill a void that he felt in his life. Or the experience of John Wesley, whose terror during a storm aboard a ship on the Atlantic Ocean led him to seek out the Moravians for the secret of their contentment during that experience. One of the greatest of all was the struggle of Martin Luther. After living for years with an image in his psyche that God was a terrible and wrathful God who could never be pleased, Luther discovered through reading Romans chapter 1 
verses 16 and 17, the phrase, the just shall live by faith. Luther came to understand that he could never please God through good works. Only faith could find Luther peace with God. And peace with God brings about a restored relationship with God. In order for all of us to be what God intended for us to be, we need to maintain a personal relationship with God. Without that relationship, we are out of fellowship with God and we are not living to our fullest potential. But there's one last thing that I think being created in the image of God means, and that is that in God's eyes, when God created the man and the woman, God said, it is good. In fact, at every stage of creation, if you read the stories in Genesis, at every stage of creation, God says, it is good. Now, that word good is different than the way we use it in the English language. The Hebrew word that is used there does not refer to behavior. When we say to our children, be a good boy or be a good girl, that's not the way the word is used here in the original language. It doesn't have the sense of morality. It's a word that basically means exactly what he wanted. At every stage of creation, God looked over what he had done, and it was exactly what he wanted. And so when he created the man and the woman, they were exactly what he wanted. And that's a very important theological concept. There is no such thing as a human being that is a mistake. Every human being created by God is exactly what God wanted. I read once about a man named Alan Davenport. He told people that he was a retired Marine major and that he had been one of the elite members of the Blue Angels flying team. He had the uniform, he had the medals to prove it. But one night he was attending a Marine ball and he was told that another former Blue Angel was at this particular party and wanted to meet him. And so Alan disappeared from the party. Because of the suspicions that were raised by his actions, naval intelligence investigated him and found out that Alan Davenport was a fraud. He had, not been, he had not been a Marine major. In fact, he had never even been in the Marines. He had never been a member of the Blue Angels. And when he asked, when they finally caught up with him, and when they asked him why did he do it, he said, I simply couldn't stand to be myself. I couldn't stand to be myself. God didn't make mistakes with us. You and I are uniquely created in the image of God to be exactly what God wanted us to be. We live in a society that promotes youth and beauty. The advertising media portrays a certain look as being the defining element of beauty. And that's not a good thing because none of us look like the billboards look. None of us look like they look on television. It promotes a false concept of beauty and neglects the fact that beauty is determined by many other factors other than simply physical appearance. 
this modern tendency of the advertising media also causes young people to have serious problems when they're not able to meet those standards that they see on television or the movies or in the magazines. Eating disorders and self-worth problems are at the heart of what many young people struggle with in their lives. What we need to realize is that in God's eyes, God created us and we are good. We are, uh, there, there, are not, there, there are no two humans that are identically the same in all of the world. There will never again be another Glenn Jonas. My children will carry on the bloodline, just like I have carried on my parents' bloodline. But there will never again be another Glenn Jonas. There has never been one. There's never going to ever be another one. There'll never, there'll, there'll never be another Michael McKnight. We are uniquely created in God's image. And we need to realize that each human is unique, is a special creation, and that each one is good in God's eyes. You are exactly what God wanted you to be. And for me, I take great comfort in that. We're grateful for our mothers that bore us. We're grateful to the God of creation that created us. Being created in the image of God means that we have the capacity to understand right from wrong and to understand the consequences of our decisions. Being created in the image of God means that we are created with the capacity to be in a relationship with God. And being created in the image of God means that when God looked over creation, when God created us, God said it is exactly what I wanted it to be. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you for creating this wonderful world and for creating us. Thank you also for the awesome responsibility that you have given us to live in this world and to be caretakers of this world. Help us, Lord, when we see wrongs that need to be righted, when we see evils that need to be addressed, when we see those that suffer that need to be comforted, when we see those that are crying that need to be comforted as well. Help us, Lord, to be your agents of change as we're caretakers in this world. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.